Let me read to you, uh, just, we, we heard read already a story of Jesus going to the cross. I just want to refresh you. We heard from Matthew. We're going to hear a similar uh, take from Luke, slightly different, but very similar. And I just want you to hear it once again as we talk today about the cross and its significance. Luke 23 says, two others, both criminals, were led out to be executed with him. When they came to a place called the skull, they nailed him to the cross. And the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. And the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. The crowd watched, and the leader scoffed. He saved others, they said. Let him save himself if he is really God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers mocked him, too, by offering him a drink of sour wine. They called out to him, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. A sign was fastened above him with the words, This is the king of the Jews. By this time, it was about noon, and darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. The light from the sun was gone, and suddenly the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn down the middle. Then Jesus shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And with those words, he breathed his last. There's a lot of, uh, in the New Testament, there's a lot of trying to reconcile and figure out What happened on the cross? What's the significance of the cross? Why did Jesus die and what did he achieve on the cross? And to be honest with you, there's more than one answer. It's multi-layered. There's multi-levels. There's many different ways to look at it and to think through what exactly happened on on that cross on that day, why Jesus died and why it's significant. The Apostle Paul tells us one reason, and I want to share it with you today. And I think as he wrestles with trying to understand Jesus the Messiah being crucified, being put on a cross. He he tries to put into words, he tries to to, to lay before people as they're trying to figure out how do we live in light of Jesus who was crucified? How do we follow him? Should we even follow him? And and what does that mean to us? Here's what he says. This comes from Colossians chapter 2. He says, you were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then, God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. And then he says, because they were arguing about rules and what they had to do to kind of earn their way into salvation, he said, for these rules are only shadows of the reality yet to come, and Christ himself is that reality. Some really, really powerful imagery in here. But a couple of things really jumped out at me. He said that uh, Jesus disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities and then shamed them publicly. He disarmed them, which means he took away their weapons. It literally means he stripped them, but the word in Greek is often used of how you would strip away all of the weapons of a soldier. You would take away everything dangerous that they have. And here, Paul is saying what happened, what Jesus has done for us, what God has done in Jesus, is that he has disarmed, he has taken those weapons away. You've got to ask yourself, what are the spiritual weapons used against us? He talks about those, um, those spiritual ruler, rulers and authorities, that any power spiritually that might come against us, negative or evil power that might condemn us, uh, that might accuse us, that might discourage us, that might disparage us. This is what has been disarmed. This is what the weapons have been taken away. Can I share with you three weapons that I think have been disarmed through Jesus? These spiritual weapons used against us. The first one is guilt. Now, guilt is not always bad. 
Guilt sometimes just lets us know that we've done something bad. We feel in our conscience. It tells us that I shouldn't have done this, or maybe there's something that I should have done, but that's kind of the role of guilt. And when guilt tells us you've done something bad, uh, the, the good part of that is it might trigger us to say, okay, I need to make that right. I need to ask for forgiveness. I need to uh, do some reconciliation. I need to, if possible, make something right uh, by the way that I, I, I pay someone back or, or whatever. But guilt is unhealthy when we can't get away from it, when we need to turn, but we, we can't find a way forward when it holds us back, when we can't get rid of it, when it's a constant reminder, when it enslaves us to our past and we feel like we can't move forward. That then becomes not just guilt, but it becomes weaponized guilt. It becomes condemning guilt. It becomes something that gets us stuck that we can't move from. And now something that could be healthy for a time has become a weapon. And Paul is saying it's a weapon that's been disarmed. We're going to take that, that guilt as a weapon and we're going to take it away. You can see how he would have got that from some of Jesus' last words. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. In the midst of Jesus being crucified, that's his call, that this is a show of forgiveness, that I'm not treating you the way that you're treating me. You're, you've arrested me. You've beaten me. You're crucifying me. And yet he calls for forgiveness, a relief from guilt to take away that weapon. Second weapon is shame. If guilt tells us that we've done something bad, shame tells us that we are something bad. It's when guilt attaches itself to our identity. So we move from, I've done something bad, and I should fix it, and I should apologize, and if there's something I can pay back, then I should pay that back. Shame says, you are that bad thing. You are greedy. You are selfish. You are violent. You are whatever. And now we walk around, not just with the reality that, oh, I'm sorry I did something, but now it affects our identity. It affects that, that deep sense of well-being and who we are. We start to believe that we are not worthy, that we are not lovable, that this is just who we're always going to be, that there's no way forward, that we can't really change, that we, that we don't deserve good, deep, loving relationships. And we carry around that identity that guilt has come from our head into our heart and made a home there and tries to tell us who we are and who we aren't. And then the third weapon I will call death. And what I mean by death is not just that we will physically die, although that happens, but also just the reality that because of sin and because of shame, we all live in a world that I think we can all recognize is fallen, that is not perfect. That there are sins that we commit, but there's also the effect of sin that is operating around us. That we encounter uh, death, we encounter illness, we encounter uh, broken relationships, we encounter hurt and pain, we live in fear and anxiety, we despair, we lose hope. We live in darkness instead of the light that we want to live in. It's the contrast between the, the life that God wants to give us, eternal life that starts now with him, in relationship with him, and in love, and in love with one another, now in darkness, because we have all experienced it. We've already heard a, a story today, this morning, about a life well-lived, but one that's not free of pain, one that's not free of the effects of sin and the darkness that we all live in. But here Paul says the spiritual rulers and authorities, all that comes against us and all that is with us, the guilt and the shame and the death, Jesus has disarmed. He's taken those weapons away. And how and why does that matter? I think what he's trying to say, this very past, a powerful short passage, is that Christ has done to sin what sinners had done to him. Think about this. 
Paul says that when God made us alive and forgave us of all our sin, he canceled the record of our charges of sin and took it away. How? By nailing it to the cross. Took sin and nailed it to the cross. And he later says that he disarmed, uh, he disarmed these rulers based on the fact that it's a victory on the cross. Shamed them publicly by victory on the cross. What does he mean by this? That he nailed sin to the cross. That Christ has done to sin what sinners had done to him. Ordinary criminals do not and did not, never got crucified. It wasn't somebody who, oh, you stole something, we're going to put you on a cross revolutionaries got crucified, nailed to the cross. We heard that. The translation this morning was really good from Matthew. There were two other revolutionaries. It was a punishment that was given to people who led riots, who wanted to change things, who were leaders of movements, who were stirring the pot, who were saying, come follow me, not the government, current government. We can overthrow them. Come follow me. My movement is powerful, and I am an authority. They're not an authority. I'm an authority. And the reason the Romans would crucify people is because they would take those people who were a threat to their authority, who were trying to seize their power, and they would nail them to a cross and publicly shame them. They would say, this person no longer has any power, no longer has any authority. There is no point in following this person. If you follow this person, that is a path to death. That's why we're publicly executing them. We're shaming them. In front of everybody in a very visible way, right there. Look at him on the cross. Do not follow. There's no power there. The Apostle Paul says that what they did to Christ, Christ has done for sin. He has taken our sin. He has nailed it to the cross and said, this sin has no more power, no authority in your life. Following in this sin leads only to death, but I have bring, brought you life. Sin does not define who you are. Your past does not define who you are. Guilt is forgiven and you can move forward. Shame is not for you because your sin, because your past, because your struggle, because your hurt, because your despair is not who you are. You are a child of God, created in his image, beloved, redeemed, welcomed into the family. Death is not your destiny. Life has been given to you. Light has come out of darkness. Sin no longer has power, not over you, not over this world, not over our future. Sin will not be in control. It has been overpowered. There is another regime, the regime of forgiveness, of grace. Sin does not tell you who you are. It's been defeated, and so it's crucified. It's nailed to the cross. It's publicly shamed, it is brought to light what it actually is. No longer an authority. And in that way, God and Jesus has disarmed. He has taken the weapons away from all the spiritual powers that come against us. Here's our reality. This is just the truth. We live in a fallen world. We live in a world where all of us have done things that we regret. We felt guilt. Many of us, perhaps again all of us, have lived in a place where we've taken shame on and we've struggled with our self-worth, our self-esteem, our identity, and who we are. We have thought that we are equated, we are what we do, and we all live in a fallen world where there are things that are coming against us that might not even be a direct result of our sin, but just the result of living in a world that has fallen by sin. And so, as I said, we live with the struggles of trying to reconcile our past or carrying the burdens of anxieties 
or the need to please others, or to be loved, or to figure out our identity and who we are. We long for mercy. We long for justice. We long for righteousness. We long for the world to be put back the way that it's supposed to be, the way that it is created to be always. The Apostle Paul is saying, in the moments where it seems like all of that stuff is in charge, we need to see once again that sin has been nailed to the cross, publicly shamed. The power has been taken out of it. The weapons have been destroyed. So today, uh, we want to invite you to participate in a way of us doing that because uh, as we all carry around some of those things and maybe we feel like those weapons are still coming against us, uh, Good Friday is a powerful time to see Christ on the cross forgiving us, to see that when he was crucified, that curtain of the temple of the holies of holies, the sanctuary, was ripped in two, that part where they thought this is the concentrated place of God's presence. Now the the curtain that divided them from the presence of God was torn into two, symbolizing that, that the presence of God has been unleashed and it's all around us and even in us and we have access to it. And then they come with the Apostle Paul and say, those powers, those authorities, that sin has been nailed to the cross. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to have another song and some time just to uh, meditate and to think. And perhaps even as I've been talking, there's been a burden that's come to your mind that you've been carrying, a struggle, a hurt, a pain, a sin. And today we want to give you the opportunity to nail it to the cross and to be reminded that your sin and our sin and the world of sin has been nailed to the cross. So uh, as we have some music playing, uh, you can take your time, but you'll find that there's a card on the chair just on the tray in front of you. You can take that. There's a pen in front of you. And uh, when you're ready, as we just have some soft music and, and we'll sing, you can sing along if you want, but love for you to write down what it is that maybe has come to your heart. What is that struggle? What is that burden? What is that sin that today you need to nail to the cross and leave it there for Jesus to disarm? You can write it down, whatever it is. Could be just one word, one thing could be a phrase, but to write it down. And when you're ready, come on up here and we have some pins just on the stool here. Grab a pin, grab your card, it's anonymous, put your name on it. You can put it backwards if you want, whatever you want to do. But we're going to nail it to the cross. And when you nail it to the cross to be reminded that this is what God has done in Jesus, when we see Jesus on the cross, we realize that Christ did to sin what sinners thought they had done to Christ. And then after you do that, to come over here and to take one of the elements, it's got bread, it's got the juice, and in a few minutes, uh, as we've all had a chance to kind of move through, if you take that back to your seat, we're going to take communion together. And as we're reminded that our sin is nailed to the cross, we're going to be reminded that Jesus was nailed to the cross to give us his body, to give us strength for our journey, to give us forgiveness for our sins. And as we eat and as we drink, to allow that truth and that love to be digested and become part of who we are. So I'm going to pray, and then I'll invite you. Whenever you're ready, take that card, take the pen, go ahead and write something, and when you're ready, come and nail it to the cross and accept the the body and the blood of Jesus. Uh, And then we'll take that together. So just, just bring it back and hang on to it. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, as we become aware of the sin and the darkness in our lives and our world, we pray that today you would increase our awareness of your presence and your power over everything that comes against us. Give us strength in the name of Jesus. Forgive us of our sin in the name of Jesus. 
unburden us in the name of Jesus. Today, Father, I pray that you would break chains that perhaps are holding some of us back, that you would free us from some of the things that have clung to us and perhaps that we have clung to today in Jesus' name. Would you remind us that Jesus is more powerful than any power that might come against us to condemn, to hold us back, to bring guilt or shame or death. And today, stir a fire in us of grace and of forgiveness, of light and of life. Thank you for nailing our sin and the sin of the world to the cross, for taking it today. We pray it will be so amongst us.